Welcome to a very musical Thursday Arts Preview, where the P is parenthetical. I'm your host, E.J. Ionelli. This week, we'll be hearing about music in three different forms. As a pop musical. Listen up, let me tell you a story. A story that you think you've heard before. As a guitar rock concert. And as a hip-hop album. I blame Empire for making these tracks. When you look me in the eyes, just know you're facing the facts. Yeah. And we start with the pop musical. Six, which comes to Spokane next week, first appeared at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe and later transferred to the West End and Broadway. It's a flamboyant, slightly tongue-in-cheek history lesson that reimagines the six wives of Henry VIII as pop icons. I spoke by phone with Jerry Ann Perez, who plays Henry VIII's first wife, Catherine of Aragon, in this nationally touring production of Six. And we began by talking about the opening number, and in particular, the line, History's about to get overthrown. We do really break the mold. I always like to say, <laughs> you're going to see something you've never seen before when you come to our show. We really kind of try to give you the experience of being at an arena concert versus coming to a normal musical. You know, we come out and we have this fantastic opening number where we introduce all of the six wives. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded. And we introduce what you think of the six wives, the very kind of iconic retellings of these women. And then we give every single woman an opportunity to tell the story from their perspective in their own song. And it's all under the premise that we are competing for which wife had it the worst. So it starts pretty crazy already with Catherine of Aragon, and then it just goes up from there. And you are the first to give your side of things. Um, you play yes. Catherine of Aragon. Could you describe mm -hmm. your character as she appears in this show and then maybe where that deviates from history? Ooh, <laughs> lots of deviations, to be quite honest. <laughs> um, within the realm of our show, my character is really, really heavily inspired by Beyonce, J-Lo, and Shakira. So the music of my song, No Way, is up-tempo. It's got some fantastic Latin beats behind it um, to really hearken to Catherine of Aragon's Hispanic heritage. Oh, baby. I put up with your sh like every single day. Now it's time to sh and listen when I say You must think that I'm crazy You wanna replace me Baby, there's no, 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 no way If you think for a And it's just a beautiful number. It's the, the choreography is fantastic. It's heavily inspired by Latin, but also by House Step, which is a sort of uh, realm within the hip-hop world. And so how she deviates from history is, you know, Captain of Aragon was historically very, very pious. 
so Catholic, like she was an incredibly religious woman. So I don't necessarily think that she would be in the costume that I'm in, which is <laughs> um, very heavily based on Beyonce, but it's, it's not risque or revealing, but it's just basically like Catherine of Aragon would probably be like, ooh, that's a little too much for me. And she was also known as being incredibly intelligent, incredibly well-spoken and very beloved, which all exists within our show. But I think there's a little bit more sass to my portrayal of her because <laughs> she's in a contemporary retelling, whereas obviously back in those times, you really needed to be very, very smart and 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 short with your words. Otherwise, you could really, really earn the wrath of Henry VIII. And I want to talk about her historical significance because she was mm. a very, very significant figure. But you had cited Beyonce and J-Lo and Shakira as inspirations for this character. Now, were they personal inspirations to you or were they something mm. that Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss based their characterization on? So the second one, but given that I actually am heavily inspired specifically by Beyonce and J-Lo, those are two of the artists that in my lifetime I have really set our role models to me. So it's, it's an honor that I get to actually step into a role so heavily inspired by them. Like the amount of Beyonce and J-Lo content and documentaries and live concerts I watched and consumed in preparation for this role, upwards of 10, 20, 30 hours that I spent watching and, and understanding their isms and the way that they capture an audience. So it's, it's both to answer your question. They, their, you know, Lucy and Toby's inspiration is what inspired me. And so you went back into recent history and, you know, studied these characters on which your character is based or these pop mm -hmm. icons. But then mm -hmm. um, did you also go back into the history books and maybe some documentaries and look at Catherine of Aragon and see how you could meld her with these uh, these pop idols? Absolutely. We had quite a few like different assignments that we had to hit before we even started the rehearsal process. So there is a wonderful um, documentary that we were given that was apparently one of the most historically accurate documentaries. And then we also had a book that has specific chapters on our queens that I delved into. So it really felt honestly like going back to college. And I, <laughs> I enjoyed the sort of assignment feel of it. And then once we were in the rehearsal process, each of us gave live presentations to our whole cast and creative team and stage management team on our queens. And it was all based on what they were like historically, what their lives were like, you know, their ages, their religions, their historical significance. So a lot of this was making sure that we came with a strong background of understanding them historically and then putting on the umbrella of the pop icon, because if we don't understand who these women actually were, we don't necessarily have a right to to step into their shoes and tell their story. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And uh, yeah. it's nice to hear that there was that uh, somewhat scholarly aspect to it, because Absolutely. this production has anything but an academic feel to it. <laughs> yes, very much so. So just know we did our homework for sure before we came in and, and, and goof around, basically. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of folks are familiar with Henry VIII and some of his maneuverings in order to weasel out of marriages when his, uh, yes. you know, his affections went elsewhere. But it all began with Catherine. Yes. I mean, it's 
So he, you know, we know Henry had to create the Church of England just to be able to marry Anne Boleyn because there was nothing, nothing he could do to get either an annulment or a divorce from Catherine of Aragon in the Catholic Church because there had been nothing she had done to warrant a divorce. Imagine you are such a good wife that somebody has to create another church (laughs) just to get rid of you. That's a very interesting thing about my song is I reference that at every turn in my song, I'm, I'm throwing down his arguments and reasons for wanting a divorce. So it's, it's very fun and almost debate-like, my song, because it is historically based on here are all of these things that you gave us reasons to get an annulment, to get a divorce. I can fight all of them. And then finally, you would had talked about how this is framed as a, a competition of sorts. But mm-hmm. is there at the end kind of a coming together and a solidarity among these mm-hmm. women? <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil perhaps one of the most important parts of the show for your listeners. <laughs> but I will answer your question and say, yes, it'll just come in a way that you won't expect. That was Jerry Ann Perez, who plays Catherine of Aragon in the musical Six, which adopts the conceit that Henry VIII's wives are competing in a contemporary pop concert. Six runs at the First Interstate Center for the Arts from January 23rd to 28th as part of the Best of Broadway series. For tickets and more information, visit broadwayspokane.com. And then the day after Six leaves the stage, the same venue hosts the G3 reunion tour. G3 features a rotating lineup of modern guitar masters, and for this grand return, that trio is Joe Satriani, Eric Johnson, and Steve Vai. Ahead of the concert, Spokane Public Radio's Steve Jackson spoke with core G3 member Joe Satriani. Joe Satriani has been on the public radar since the 1987 release of his landmark album, Surfing with the Alien. The album was the first instrumental rock release to chart so highly in many years. In 1996, Satriani organized a tour with two other master rock guitarists, Steve Vai and Eric Johnson, to form G3. That trio continued to tour off and on for many years, often being joined by other guitar players on some tours. This year, Satriani, Vai, and Johnson are back on the road and will hit Spokane on January the 29th. We caught up with Joe Satriani on the phone from his home in the Bay Area. Satriani says a need to jam with other players is what prompted the formation of such a tour. You know, in other uh, forms of uh, entertainment and music, especially, there's collaboration that's sort of organized. Uh, But in the guitar world, it was quite the opposite. You know, acts were kept separate on purpose. Uh, Agents and uh, promoters wanted to keep acts that did similar kinds of things away from each other in terms of time and place so that they uh, wouldn't risk, uh, you know, putting them all on one bill or, or you know, they'd, they'd rather spread it out, spread the and increase the chance of profit. So I, I understood from a business point of view, but I said artistically, it doesn't make any sense because I'm an audience member too. And when I go to a show, I would love to see 
you know, relaxed um, collaboration, friendly competition, the celebration of the genre rather than just someone, uh, you know, trying to uh, succeed in, in the entertainment world, which is kind of like what you, you were seeing on TV all the time back then. So I said, you know, what, what if we, we put together our own little micro festival? <laughs> didn't have to be Lollapalooza, but I said, you know, maybe we can fit it together. So on, in one night, there's multiple guitar players. Everybody gets to do their own thing with their own band. Joe Satriani says his choices for who to play with were fairly easy, including one of whom he'd known since they were teenagers. I really felt um, at the time uh, that I, I wanted there to be um, a, a real personal connection uh, with that first iteration of G3. Um, and it you know, wasn't lost on me that both Steve and Eric were doing things with the guitar and with their compositions and the way they recorded uh, that was really at the forefront of electric guitar playing. And so that part was obvious, you know. Um, the bonus was that I taught Steve uh, guitar, you know, when he was 12 years old. I've known him forever. We grew up in the same town, went to the same public high school, and, you know, so we, we have this long history uh, starting out as kids who wanted to be rock and roll stars and, you know, not knowing how we were going to do it. And um, I wound up not meeting Eric until, I think, 1990. And, and he opened for me on a good number of dates. And uh, I invited him to, to come out and play any night that he wanted to. So we did a lot of improvising at the end of the night where I come, you know, bring him out at the end of our show and that was sort of like the beginning, not only of me just getting to know him, but of this idea how the audience really loves to see other musicians get together, drop their guard, and just share the excitement about guitar playing with the audience. Satriani says the format of the tour includes each player doing a set with their own band, and then at the end, the three combined forces to jam. He explains more about how they chose the songs to focus their improvisational skills on. When we were talking about doing jam songs, and I made the point to everybody that as we pull into different cities, there's going to be friends uh, that we're going to want to invite on stage. And if we tell them that we're going to be playing Peaches and Regalia, they're going to go, well, I don't know that. <laughs> you know, It's like... You got any other songs, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, um, I started looking for the easiest songs that were really powerful. And so like rocking in the free world, right? Uh, so that that's a really open song that's very powerful, uh, but anybody can play it. And it, the jam section, sections allow us to really improvise each night. We were just improvising every night harmonies. And that, and that night, that made it to uh, the, the live uh, CD and DVD, um, showed us two different variations of, of that sort of improv, of, of sort of weaving uh, melodic lines and, and harmonies together. Um, and, and I think that is the beauty of the simple song, rather than saying, we're going to do Bohemian Rhapsody, and if you don't know how to do it, well then, you know, <laughs> stay clear. We started with a list of about 20 songs this time, 
that everyone thought were good candidates because they were powerful songs, but they were simple songs. And so anybody could show up. And, you know, if you if you mention something like you really got me, you know, or Mississippi Queen or Funk 49 or Born Under a Bad Sign, you know, everybody knows how to play those things. And it's easy just to sit in. Uh, when a song becomes all about parts, then then it's a presentation. You see, it's not really a, a celebration. Satriani has another project up his sleeve that will also be playing Spokane in August. Rocker Sammy Hagar is on board for this project in what is being called a legacy tour, which Joe says will focus on more than just the music of Van Halen. It is uh, a tour that we're going to be leaning heavily. Uh, the majority of the material is probably going to be from that era uh, where Sammy was in Van Halen. They had just amazing hit records and hit singles. Um beautiful guitar playing, just really challenging stuff, too. Uh, also, uh, he wants to do a bunch of things to reflect the David Lee Roth era, and then, of course, we're doing, you know, Montrose, we're doing Sammy Hagar solo material, we're doing chicken foot material. It, it really is, uh, as the title is, he, he called it the, the Best of All Worlds Tour, <laughs> so it's a celebration of his musical legacy. It just so happens a large part of that legacy is Van Halen. The G3 show will be Monday, January 29th at the First Interstate Center for the Arts in Spokane. And for tickets to that concert, head to firstinterstatecenter.org. But if hip-hop is more your thing, then there's some welcome news from Devontae Pearson, better known as T.S. The Solution. T.S. was one of the launch collaborators on our Firehouse Session Song Contest, and he's just received Spokane Arts Grant Award funding for his upcoming EP, Purple in Spokane 2. But the two means that there was a Purple in Spokane 1. So when T.S. came into the studio, I asked him about that earlier EP, which featured songs like this, Young Buck. Yeah, that was my baby. That's my baby right there. So <laughs> that introduced me to Spokane. Uh, I am a Spokane transplant. But when I got to Spokane as an artist, I didn't do anything for a year. I literally sat back, seen what Spokane was about. I settled me and my family in. I attended shows, venues, just to see what the music scene was like. And then once that happened, I came out with Purple in Spokane. That was my introduction to the city as an artist but I wanted to differentiate myself. There's a lot of, you know, Wazoo uh, fandom, a Gonzaga <laughs> fandom, Eastern, all these colors, and they're kind of similar, right? Like all the colors out here have to do something with red, and then, of course, you have the, the blue, the navy blue with Gonzaga. But my favorite color is purple, and I'm from the coast, so I brought in purple just to stand out. Whether it was uh, good or bad, <laughs> it worked, and... Yeah, that was my first one, and that was really a, a project to show off my artistic skills. I thought I was the best in town. Like, I literally came out like, is this the best rapper in Spokane? Like, that was a headline that we used for uh, <laughs> marketing ads on Facebook, and it got 
you know, no, he's not, or this is awesome, and just got people excited, like questioning, who is this guy? And it was just consistent love from there, to be honest. It was venues opening their doors. It was the Inlander. It was the Spokesman Review. Everybody had questions and embraced me. I was like, oh, this feels kind of cool. So I've kind of been riding the coattails of that project forever now. You know, we've released singles and all that between like then and, and now, but I haven't released another project since then. I think that's a good reflection on Spokane, though, the fact that you were met with curiosity rather yeah. than animosity. Yeah, yeah. Outside of, like, I'm the best, you know, <laughs> which is bravado of me. Like, hold on, buddy. <laughs> you know, there's people out here that have been doing music way longer than I have, uh, especially, of course, in Spokane. And I think it was met with that because, and I'm going to pat myself on the back because I'm working on this, y'all. But it was because the music was good. Now, hey, hey. Now can we have a heart to heart? My thoughts are dark. Got an elder spark, know the car park. Let the mind wonder. I find comfort in living dreams. Never mind slumber. Told the reaper, keep your cousin off me. And you wonder why I keep a cup of coffee. King of the hill to Lauren Hill. Cause I drink a beer, but then kill him softly. <laughs> and y'all hardly hard. Your entourage full of bodyguards. Claim ballers, but they're really starvers. Don't eat for weeks, but wanna buy the bar. If, if I came out here and the music wasn't good or it didn't connect or wasn't relatable or it, it didn't show off my skills, I think I probably would have got pushed back. Maybe because our genre is competitive. There's mm-hmm. a competitive nature in hip hop. So it's either you come with it and we're like, okay, bet he's good. Like, welcome, welcome, come on in. But if I was bad, I don't think I would. <laughs> I don't think I would have got it. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna have the bravado, you got to have some of the chops too. Exactly, you better back it up. <laughs> so, purple in Spokane too. Mm-hmm. Now, just the fact that you've kind of made this uh, a continuation or a sequel to that mm-hmm. suggests that you're almost revisiting that concept in a way. Yeah, it's gonna start that way for sure. But the big thing is explaining not even explaining I think more like illustrating right it's it's showing the journey from my transplant move to a new city as an adult for the very first time and navigating Spokane navigating a, a space where you know we do lack diversity out here but as an artist you could still overcome that and be in a position of empowerment and leadership even though you walk outside and don't see yourself. So there's a there's definitely a deeper aspect in Purple and Spokane too. But it's it starts like, no, I still think I'm the best out here <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And so whereas that earlier project was mostly music and then that introduction of that handshake, mm-hmm. this has a couple components. So you've got a six-track EP, mm-hmm. then you've got educational workshops in addition to that that are also going to be uh, surrounding the release of the album mm-hmm. and then a concert as well yeah um, I'm really interested in the workshops and how you see them tying into this yeah yeah that's my that's my favorite part so between then and now I've grown to love being a teaching artist and helping with development of younger artists when it comes to the recording process because we have our own studio so I wanted to continue and go deeper in that with this one and have not only are we going to do workshops, but I'm also going to have students follow me throughout the process of like, hey, we're writing to these records produced by local beat producers. And this is my direction. While I'm writing, I'm keeping in mind 
I want to do radio and I want to do shows, so I have to make different versions. Uh, but I also have to keep in mind I'm performing these. I need pauses. So I'm taking students along with me as well and then doing the workshops surrounding the process because like we're a secondary market, so we don't have the big music conferences and the big panels that, you know, primary markets have. So it's like this is my way of being able to provide value to our city's music scene, especially those not exposed to the process at all. So I think I can be the most impactful by sharing not only the music itself, but let's show the process. And a lot of this is also capitalizing on the vision that you had for Panoramic Dreams. Exactly. Where, yeah. you know, when you were in here talking about our firehouse sessions, mm-hmm. you were talking about Panoramic Dreams being a creative hub for yeah. the hip hop community, being able to shout down the hall or go into a different office and say, hey, you know, I need this, you know, let's work together on this. Yeah. And so these workshops are, are kind of a, a realization of that. Yeah, yeah. Because my thing this year was like, I want to open the door more. How do I make my door bigger? And I think this is one way to do it is teach. Don't pursue the dollar and rebuke the drama. Got the scoop from mama, so I maintain yelling. For the self is made, sipping Welch's grapes. I got the juice now. Dreams, my whole circle down for the chase. So it's as easy as duck, duck, goose now. You feel me? Not only... Like, okay, we have this crowd in the building itself, and we're able to utilize one another. We share resources. We collaborate. It's like, okay, but there's still a whole entire city outside. How do we open the door and make it bigger? I know programming. That's how we can do it. Hey, I have this going on. Let me show you how I'm approaching this so you can go into the world, go into the city, and utilize all the tips and tricks that we do on this end on your music. Um, so with any project along these lines, collaboration is hugely important. You know, you're not going to do all the heavy lifting your, yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what other collaborations are you doing with this and, and how creative are you getting? Yeah, so I'm collaborating with spaces outside of your particular venue choices. This will not be held at a bar, restaurant. We're going outside of your standard and typical places of business because usually that's where artists get taken advantage of is with these old models. Mm -hmm. So we get to collaborate with people in the city that are about the city, about the community that are opening their spaces to us to utilize. I'll have to to keep it a secret for now Mm -hmm. where it's going to be, but I'm I'm honored to collaborate with this person that's opening her space to us for this vision. Out with the old, in with the new. Artists have all the power. T.S. The Solution there, talking about his forthcoming album, Purple in Spokane 2, which received a Spokane Arts Grant Award in this last round of funding. The concert is tentatively scheduled for spring of this year, and to keep tabs on those workshops that T.S. mentioned, visit panoramicdreamsrecording.com. 
And for more information on past Spokane Arts Grant Award recipients or the Saga program, go to spokanearts.org. This has been the Thursday Arts Preview, a show that keeps an eye on the past, present, and future of the art scene throughout the Inland Northwest. If you'd like to listen again or catch future episodes as soon as they air, subscribe to the Thursday Arts Preview podcast on major platforms like Spotify and Google and Apple Podcasts. For Spokane Public Radio, I'm E.J. Ionelli.